We're going to talk more about that thin place thing today. Uh, we started last week. We talked about the others. We said when the thin places occur, sometimes riding in on the blessings are the, are the others, Satan and his angels, who do not love us. As I said, and as I often say, we are not alone in the universe, and not everything out there likes us. And I referred last week several times to one of the most used weapons in the devil's toolbox, and that is whispering, whisperers. In fact, he's called the whisperer in Scripture. We mentioned a couple of examples, but what I want to do for us today, and I'm going to, it's, this sermon's kind of overwritten, so I told Mark I'm going to have to talk quickly. He may have to yank me off the stage and start the song anyway to get us into class time, and he's, uh, he's so excited about that. Um, I want to show you the devil's toolbox that he pulled out in Eden, and the reason is I don't think he's needed another tool since. He uses the same tools that he used back then. The history of the human race can be summarized by a few points, bullet points. God made us and loves us. Number two, we're not alone, and there's someone out there who does not want us to love God and also does not want God to love us. To win, number three, we have to focus our attention on God and Jesus. The devil does not require us to focus on him to win. All he requires is that we don't focus on God. And then the last, the devil's greatest tools are not winds and waves, not even accidents and disease, but five little lies. He doesn't need many other tools because these five lies work in every generation. What I want you to do today is to pay attention to these, know what they are, so that when the whispering begins in your ears, no matter what it sounds like or whose voice it sounds like, no matter where it comes from, you recognize its real source. So let's start our trip. When the devil formed a relationship with Eve, and I want to stop there, just when I was a boy, we read the scripture, but, and it wasn't the teacher's fault. In my mind, it was more of a cartoon. God made Adam and Eve, you know, uh, he made Adam, Adam took a nap, waked up, there's another person, he woke up, there's another person there, a bit of soreness in his side going, ow, oh, wow, and, and that moved on, and immediately she offered him a bit of fruit. No, there was probably a long time the devil worked to form a relationship. Please remember, the devil has time. He has, time, he has 30, 40 years to lay a trap for you. Be aware of this. Keep your eyes open. He formed a relationship with Eve, and he introduced five lies into that relationship. The rest of the Bible is full of people believing one or more of these lies. First, Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from fruit that's from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right. You're forgiven if you didn't spot the five lies, but you need to see them. 
we are most likely to hear them not as direct attacks, but as whispers, to the point where we think it's our idea. We think it's us talking to us, that we have given this reasoned thought and come to a reasonable conclusion. There are more obvious attacks of hate, the shouts, the calls to divide, the calls to attack. But let's look at the whispers. The first, has God said? Really, this is a couple of different attacks, all in three words. Really, it seems to be an innocent question, but it is not. The question is anything but innocent. It aims to cast doubt on God. Many people who would never question the instructions for how to program a particular piece of electronics or put together one of those pieces of furniture from Ikea will question the instructions on how to live our life that God gave us in Scripture. Even though the Scripture suffers from far less mistranslation than instructions from Ikea, I have put together things that had instructions from China or India or the like. And this isn't racist, people. The fact is, it's hard to translate from one language that does not share your language group with another. You can, you can translate from English to Italian or from um, Romanian even. But when you start moving into Hungary or you go into Asia... And so you open it up and it says, please be, happen, please be happy attaching to be. I'm going, I don't know what a to be is, and I'm not very happy. And, and you get lost. But when you read the Bible, the translation doesn't suffer. We, we can tell what it says. As we said when we were going through the, the, sermons on the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, this isn't hard to understand. This is just hard to live. Has God said, really, are you sure that the Bible really comes from God? How do you know? You know, there are instructions there, however, that we can read and we can understand about peace, love, service, sacrifice. He wants us to question that, but not love them, but not sacrifice that much. But no, you know, it's all right, though, if you withhold your service from that group. And he tries to use all... God didn't really say that. There's another aspect of the question. Has God said to you? It was staggering to watch how people looked upon anyone who said that they talked to God in the, the last, I'd say, two or three elections in America as an idiot and dangerous. They believe they can talk to God and God talks back. That's bizarre. Really? Has God said, has God said to you, has God really talked to you? The world doesn't mind, by the way, if you read your horoscope or you back in the day, do you remember the psychic hotlines? All of them went out of business and I'm thinking they should have seen that coming. But anyway, you'll drive by a shack and outside it'll say tarot card reader. And I'm going, you know, you ought to be doing better. If you know what's coming. And if you know what's coming, you don't really need to put a sign out. But that's a different thing. We'll even go to marriage counselors who are on their third marriage. But if you listen to the Bible, you're considered strange. So I drove here this morning, left home about 7.30. And um, 
just driving down my street. We have a pond in our neighborhood that they stock with fish, and you're allowed to catch and release. There were two young men, probably 13 to 15 years old, out there fishing at 7.30. And I thought, if you asked children, young men, to get up and go to worship at 7.30, you're considered, man, that's weird. That's kind of strict. But if you ask them to get up to go fishing, oh, that's, that's cool. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting what the world has done? There's no way to say this and not sound political. The fact is that uh, the, the current uh, nominee for the Supreme Court is very religious. Uh, would I pick somebody else? Probably, but just because everybody on the court already comes from Yale and Harvard and is either Jewish or Catholic. I'm thinking we got to get another college and another religion in there somewhere. But so this is the one that was picked. And what's the attacks that are going? It's religious attacks. Oh, he's re- he wants to save babies that are in the womb. That's crazy. Really? Has God said, and has God said to you, this can become a very straw man argument. If you don't know what a straw man is, that's when a man, that's when somebody in an argument sets up something which is a parody a caricature of what you're saying. It's not what you're saying. And then they defeat that and claim they defeated you. It happens very frequently. Uh, people will say, for example, oh, you believe the Bible's inspired, so you believe exactly two million people. No babies are born. And No, please. The Bible was written by human beings. God inspired them. We understand how that works together. We understand that God worked with what he had, imperfect people, to bring us the story all the way up to Jesus, and we trust him. Has God really said? Don't let the devil strawman you on this. Then the next one, twisting scripture. Did God say you couldn't eat from any tree? Oh, that one comes up a lot. If you don't approve of everything I do and like, you must be a hater. Really? Really? I can love you and not approve of what you do. That's, um, that's, that's allowable. <laughs> I can love you and not vote like you. I can love you and not like the food that you like. I have people frequently that say, you are going to love this. And no. <laughs> no, not, not even a little. Or I've had other people that uh, will say, no, if you're going to buy a car, you have to buy that. People, I bought a Hyundai when I lived in Detroit. I'm not afraid. <laughs> to be honest, it was between a Chevrolet, a Ford, and a Hyundai. The Chevrolet was made in Canada. The Ford was in Mexico. Hyundai was made in Alabama. So I took a shot. Uh, that's a... <laughs> if you don't approve, if you don't like our music, you must hate fun. Really? I had people in university when I'd be in university, and they'd say, Patrick, you don't know how to have fun. And I would say, let's review. This weekend, you went out to the bars, and I didn't go with you. That's right, because you don't know how to have fun. Fair enough. Did, how much money did you spend? <laughs> We're kind of broke. Yeah, okay. What do you have to show for it? Headache, and you can't find your car this morning, and your girlfriend's mad at you. If that is fun, I agree. I don't know how to do that. I, um, I still have my money, my dignity, but I don't have a girlfriend. So I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not doing a thousand here, but I'm still, I'm still a little ahead of you in the curve. That's all I'm going for. 
Or if you don't approve of promiscuity, you must hate sex. That was, a, that was a really weird, bizarre moment I had. I'd love to tell you the backstory, but that takes too long with the sermon I've overwritten. Like I said, that's me. Um, I was at the University of Michigan, and I, there was a group there hostile to the Bible, but they'd asked me to come talk to them about it anyway because they just enjoyed that sort of thing. So I walked in, and one of the ladies said, um, the Bible and Christians are against sex. And I said, no, we're not. She goes, yes, you are. I said, no, we're not. And we did that for a while because I'm paid by the hour and I got time. <clears throat> I got nowhere to be. After a while, she just looked at me and I said, I work for the guy that invented it. She hadn't thought of that before. I said, there's even a whole book in the Bible about it, which all of a sudden every teen now is paying attention. Um, it's, um, <clears throat> it's a Song of Solomon. Enjoy reading it. It's a little weird. Guys, do not try to use the compliments. The compliments are well past their sell-by date. <laughs> you look at a woman and say, your hair is like a bunch of goats coming off the mountain. I am not responsible for what happens next. So just be aware. Anyway, they will say, no, no, Christians are so, you know, Christians are so narrow-minded. Let me just remind you of something. We're Christians, but we listen to your music and read your books. Do you listen to ours and read ours? Who's the narrow-minded person in the room? We hear what you're saying. We read. We look at it. We even go listen to your concerts and the like. Do you come to our things? Who's the narrow-minded person here? When you're faced with these lies, we tend to overspeak for God. Watch out. Be very careful. We tend to... We, uh, don't make... She added to God's word. No, we can't even touch that tree. God didn't say you couldn't touch it. We overspeak. So we'll say, no, no, you can't drink any alcohol at all. I have a, fr a friend, well, he's actually my parents' friend, but we're friendly. Uh, all of his life, he wouldn't even take like NyQuil because it has alcohol in it. Okay, that's all right. I'm not going to make fun of it. That's, that's a decision you've made. Okay, good. That doesn't mean that's what God said. He said, don't be drunk. Very big difference. Very big difference. Or don't dance. Don't dance. Dancing's wrong. It's a sin. God evidently didn't get that memo because in Scripture, people that love God danced. Now, I don't dance because I've been asked not to by several localities. <clears throat> and the um, court order still has a bit of time to run, so I don't dance. But I want to warn parents right now, don't overspeak for God. When I was in... Uh, growing up, they preached hard against us, and we used either the American Standard Version of 1901 or the King James Version, and there was a word in there, lasciviousness, great old English word. And they told us lasciviousness meant dancing. Well, one of our older teens scoffed at that, and I thought, I'll show him. So I went into my father's library, which is rather comprehensive, and had many books on the languages, and started going through to show him that's what the word meant. Doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that in the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth definition of it. You can dance in a lascivious way. Absolutely. Well, I can't, but maybe you can. But lasciviousness and dancing aren't the same. And my little world started to crack when I started to wonder, what else am I being told? Do not over-speak for God. I've had people say, oh, I, 
that music, I bet God doesn't like that. Don't speak for God like this. Or I don't appreciate those clothes. Or, back off. Do not overspeak. The next lie, you shall not surely die. That's interesting that the devil would use this one because he always likes to use death. You look in the mirror, you know, I, the, I remember at a hotel a few years ago, the lady says, everything going okay? And I said, yes, but the mirror in the bathroom, it needs to be replaced. She goes, what happened? I said, every time I look at it, there's a very old person looking back. There's not the young, vibrant person that I see. And she kind of looked at me like, no, that's you. Uh, that's, that, that. Kind of broke it to me nicely there. But, and you start realizing, I'm running out of time, so what do you do? You send to get all the fun in you can while you can. Don't, don't. The devil likes to use that. But he also does that other thing. And I'm going to talk back to the teens here a little bit. Um, teens, you're brilliant, you're lovely in every way. There's one thing you're going to need to to work with in your life, and that is you're developing how to say no to yourself right now, and that's a really important skill. A lot of adults never get that, so this is not just a teen problem. Fasting, right, Albert, is brilliant because it teaches us to say no to ourselves. There, the devil is going to tell you that you can take that curve at that speed, you shall not surely die. That you can do this, that, or the other, you shall not surely die. Watch out. Watch out. Because as soon as you say no to that, one of your friends is still going to be listening to the whispering and saying, what, are you scared? I always love it when they say, what, you can't even make up your own mind? Say, I, I just did. It was right in front of you. Did you miss that? We'll go back and do it again. No, watch out. The devil wants to remove consequences from behavior. If you grow up only looking at your phone, you will not be a well-rounded person that understands literature, human beings, history, science, and faith. You're going to have to understand there are consequences for what we do. There are consequences. You eat this, that happens. You do this, that happens. Some of the consequences, you're going to have to choose. I had a staff member in the Rochester, Michigan, Detroit area that was very, very active, always running, always, and he always said, Patrick, you got to do this with me. And I'm going, you know, I really don't. I checked, and I don't have to. Well, he also came to me and said, I'm going in for knee surgery. And I'm going, you know something? People that sit and read books rarely have to have their knees replaced. <laughs> but, you know, we can, we can have back issues and all kinds of other things, Right? So I'm not saying life would be perfect, but understand everything we do has consequences. And I'm going to do this right here, just as an illustration. Now, we're going to say this is that sin. I don't know what that sin is for you. But whatever it is, that's it. You would never do it because this is awful. This is the worst. This, God will kill you if you do this. You have to watch, because in life, you kind of sidle up. I would never do this sin, but I'm getting a little closer to look at it. And I'm going to shorten this. I normally do this about 15 minutes at a youth rally. But then you'll even kind of, well, I, I, I did touch it, but I didn't do it. I didn't really do it. I just kind of touched it. Now, I'm not dead, but I, and I would never, but after a while, you actually do it. You actually go come over here and brace. You know what the worst thing that could ever happen is? You don't die immediately. Because once you do it and you don't die, you've lost your fear. And you keep coming back. And the devil says, see? See? Well, when they ate the fruit in the garden, did they die? Yeah. 
Not immediately. But part of them was separated from God already. That's what death means, separation. Already started the process of death. How many of us have already started the process of death by our attitudes and our sins without realizing consequences? We will surely die. Do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. Be careful then what you do. We used to have a wee song in Bible classes, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. Do you remember that one? For there's a father up above and he's looking down in love and be careful little feet where you go. I think sometimes we need to sing that with a bunch of adults to remind us too. We're not immune to it. God is maybe not moved in a mighty way against you yet. Do not confuse his patience with weakness. Next one. God is keeping good and important stuff from you. You know, many people confuse mythological gods with the true God, and they think God's hiding things from them. There must be a code in a Bible or there, you know, that'll reveal when Jesus is coming back and all this other stuff, that, you know, or that God is keeping us from having a good time, or he's hiding books that should be in the Bible. So they call for prophets to show them hidden things. They call for other prophets to explain away prohibitions that God has laid down. They get angry at God for not supplying what they wanted when they wanted it, as if we could stamp our feet and trump the will of God. They see that their church is not effective in changing the world or its members, or its members seem okay with just riding the pew to heaven, so they don't... Um, they, they decide, I'm leaving here and end up in cults or in churches that are works salvation, driven by guilt. God gave us his son to disarm the lie that he's holding out on us. Many who reject Christ want an earthly paradise instead, but really would a God that didn't withhold his son withhold anything from you that is good? You'll have people that'll be very upset about this. But God's not holding off and holding back on you. God gave you everything, even better than you asked for. But it doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. Maybe paradise isn't good for humans who are still wrapped up in skin. Maybe we need to not be in paradise right now. Seals, Navy Seals, um, and I don't know if this is true of other units or not, just reading their work and talking to one of them. Uh, they do not lift weights. Now, I'm aware in training they lift a log and such. This is to keep in shape. They don't lift weights. It is human resistance. It's push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, using their own weight. The reason is they say they need to be challenged by their own weight. That makes them strong. We are, we are made stronger when we have to face resistance. Every step of the way. How about this one? You can be your own God. Eve was attracted by this, and who isn't? I mean, come on. We love power. We're drawn to it, like Frodo and Gollum to the ring. That movie's been out for a long time. We might have to start explaining this again. But we are not God. And we know that deep down. I was in a classroom once. Again, I get thrown into these situations. At a university... When I started talking to them about God, and one young lady said, because th they always do, somebody always says it, she said, I think we're all God. I looked at her and said, really? See, you don't do that. People don't do that. You don't challenge these things. 
we challenge it if we're not afraid. I said, really? She said, well, yeah. I said, you're God. Got a little quiet. She goes, yeah. And I said, if you are God, you're doing a lousy job. And oh, if we had hackles, we would raise them at this point. We'll even go out and find hackles to be raised. And I said, if you are God, why are you in a room with an old man that disagrees with you instead of Disney World? You don't seem to have any power. And we went from there to say, we can say it, but it doesn't mean it. The fact is, we are going to worship something. It might be nature, it might be money, it might be politics, it might be sex, it might be entertainment, or it might be God, or it might be ourselves, but we are going to worship something. And deep down, we know we are not God, and there is no God but God. We cannot figure out right and wrong without God. I don't care what you say. Ethics has no basis unless there is a standard. Fact is, people that will say, there is no real standard for this, will own a tape measure, and that amazes me. You believe a tape measure that was made by people you'll never meet in a country somewhere in Southeast Asia, and you don't believe that there are standards of behavior for you? You believe there are standards in drugs, standards in toothpaste, standards in salads at McDonald's. See, they're pulling all the salads because people are getting sick. Salad's bad for you. I keep trying. <laughs> I keep trying to teach my wife this, but Panera again. Anyway, um, the drama of human history is a series of events in which we have to ask if the person involved will believe God or one of the five lies. Will Noah build the ark or believe everyone else? Will Abraham leave his country and go to a land God will show him? Will Abraham believe to the, prom the promise of God? Or will he get tired of waiting and then explain the promise away, add to the word, and make other mistakes by bringing in a committee to solve God's problem? Will Lot believe the Lord's angels, or will he stay in Sodom? Will Abraham take Isaac up that mountain? Or will he question what God said? Will Jacob eventually listen to God and become a decent human being, or will he continue to serve his own selfish interest? Will the sons of Jacob serve God or their own competing natures? And what will happen to Joseph when the world goes sideways and he's given every single chance to doubt his God? Will he assume God is holding out on him? Or will he still have faith? And what about you? Our Bible leads right to the doorsteps of our heart. Will you believe what God has said? Will you accept it? Choose to believe that God is supplying you with everything you could possibly need. I stress here, that doesn't mean the Bible is easy to understand. It doesn't uh, say that there aren't passages that seem to contradict and we have to sit and work hard to get through these things. I, the Bible talks about this being a work that we have to do. It is, it is a work to rightly divide the Word of God, to handle it right, but it is the Word of God. How are we going to deal with the instructions God gave us? Well, let's step away here and let Mark bring his team back up. What story will you join? Or will you even hear the story? 
Recently in Tennessee, a young man was run down by a train. It was daylight hours. The train blew its horn repeatedly when they saw the man. Could not stop. Metal on metal does not make a good stopping. It can take miles to stop these things. What happened? Well, what was left of the young man was found to have earbuds in his ears. What are you listening to that is crowding out the word of God and the Holy Spirit? Is it one of these five lies or anything which is built upon them? Or are you hearing the Spirit of God? The Bible says, test every spirit to see whether this comes from God. Now, in the original Greek, what that means is test every spirit to see if this comes from God. Don't explain this away. This is a hard journey. Would you please stand? What story will you join? Will you choose to be a part of the answer to God's prayer, the answer to Jesus' prayer that we're going to look at in a couple of weeks for unity, peace, and love? Will you choose to believe what God has said? Will you step up and follow the Lord wherever he is going? Whose voice is in your ear? Are you willing to pull the metaphysical, metaphorical earbuds out of your ears that is pumping in what the devil wants you to think and listen instead to what God has said? Will you follow the Lord? Who are you listening to? We are a church that has chosen Jesus. We will focus on Jesus. We will listen to Jesus. Amen, church?